Welcome to the Chimney and Fireplace Success Network, a weekly broadcast sponsored by CBC Coaching, hosted each week by industry speaker, coach, author, and educator, Jerry Eisenhower. Our presentations are produced to assist business owners and managers in turning their business dreams into their business realities. And now, here's your host, Jerry Eisenhower. I want to welcome you here once again to the Chimney and Fireplace Success Network. This is sponsored by CBC Coaching, and we put this show on every week. And the reason for it is to share different people, to share experts with you, and to bring input from other people. And it's all about helping you get your business dreams and turning them into your business realities. That's what we do here at CBC Coaching through our training through our educational outreach, through our educational platform, through our coaching services, and all those type of things. So today i got a great guest. I've known this guy for quite a few years and got to know him a whole lot better over the last few years. And he's coming to us from the, I used to call it the left coast, but it's the west coast. He lives in California. And John Meredith calls this guy the most interesting guy in the chimney sweep business. And so my guest this week is none other than Bob Ferrari from White Glove Chimney in Redding, California. So, Bob, are you out there with me today, ready to rock and roll, brother? I'm ready to rock. Let's go. There you go, man. Well, first thing is, and I always ask people, how in the world did you get into chimney sweep business, Bob? Well, in the 80s, there was, a, I lived up in the mountains east of here, I mean, like, down a one-lane road and then a mile-long dirt road off of that out in a cabin in the woods with our three children and there was no work and I didn't really have a lot of skills and a friend of mine that had moved from there to another town called me and said I've got the business for you I'm sweeping chimneys and I went down I worked for him for one day came back and hung out a shingle dusted my first house with my used garage sale vac that turned out not to have a filter in it, but I didn't I didn't have any clue what I was doing. I understand. So it's kind of like we watch the guys coming in the business today and they got a lot of questions and that, that's what they need to understand. Both me and you did a lot of stupid stuff in our earlier days, didn't we? Like that, that's just one example, but we suited up our share of houses and all that. So something else I know about you was, as your business went through the years, you get involved in mixed groups, which is a management information exchange group. And then all of a sudden, the next I heard, you were the first chimney sweep that hired a coach and you hired Alan Rohr and Al Levy. And it was really interesting when I heard that because it was before I even started coaching. So tell me what possessed you to go and hire somebody like Alan Rohr and Al Levy, those two individuals, to help you in your business, Bob. Well, it was pretty much luck on my side. The mixed group changed my life. I mean, all the people who were in my mixed group took me from really nothing in terms of business. I'd made a commitment in my own head that I need to become a businessman. I didn't, I was a great technician and I didn't know anything about business. And I got in the mixed group and over the years, seven or so years that I was in there, it just really made me grow. And I got to the place, we were kind of trying to figure out as a group, are we going to have somebody from the outside come in? 
what are we going to do? And I really felt that we needed some professionals to come in. I was willing to kick up extra money and set aside our weekends together with a professional in all the different kinds of fields from marketing to HR, whatever it was. But uh, the group didn't really want to go that direction at that time. And so I just decided I'm, I'm going to find a coach. Now, I, we had done as a mixed group, we worked with Ellen Rohr on a business plan. And I was one of the ones that completed it. And out of that, I found out that she and Al Levi took on one or sometimes two small businesses together uh, every year. And I asked if I could be one. And I thought they'd really love me and I was a great guy and everything. And instead they said, well, we don't know. You've done everything that we said and that we asked, but we want to get big. We're, we love small businesses. We love small business people, but we're both independently wealthy and we have fun playing at the highest level. So we set up an interview and their question was, how big do you want to get? Well, I was thinking I'd like to move out of the inside of my house and the kitchen table and have a shop. And they said, they didn't ask me that. They said, do you want to go statewide, regional, national? And it was kind of intimidating to me. And I said, well, what the heck? I have no idea what I want to do or don't want to do. Let's just, let's just go for it and see where we end up. And they consulted with each other and decided to take me on. And that Al's a genius with systems. And Ellen is a genius with the financials and they took me to the next step in my journey. Yeah. And you know, that's one of the things, fact, if people remember right, Al Levy was a keynote speaker at the National Chimney Sweep Guild. In fact, but he said something in that keynote and it kind of followed with what I heard you tell me because at the time when you and I talked, you told me that you had, you had come to the realization that your purpose in your business was you were going to have to learn to be a trainer and you built an in-house training center out there. I've seen it in videos. I've never seen it in person, but that was where you were going to. And that was one of Al's principles. And, you know, I remember him saying in that convention, I don't remember where we were, Bob, but he said the words there that you had to stop training in your customers' homes and start training in your own in-house training center. And that's something you've done pretty hefty there. So tell people a little bit about what you've got there that you train people with, how you've got a simulated truck and roof structures and all that kind of stuff. Well, we have those things. I'm not sure that those are the most important things. The one thing that Al did was he promised me that if I wrote the SOPs, and I had tried for about six years to write SOPs and I got bogged down in details over and over and over. <clears throat> and Al took me, he had a system for writing them and we sat down and I wrote, I think nine manuals in about four months under his tutelage. It was a whole lot like having white hot needles stuck in my eyes, but I got it done. And he promised me that those would not be documents that would sit on the shelf 
and never be looked at again. And the reason is our curriculum for training came straight out of those manuals. So when I hired somebody, they read the manuals to me. We could go in a classroom. I could, we could set up ladders. We could uh, go through all the different ones there were from laying out drop cloths in a simulated living room to knocking on a door and taking off our sunglasses and taking a step back, learning how to shake hands, the basic things to the much more advanced things to be able to have a roof structure that we could install a class A chimney in uh, or the different kinds of things that we, we would do. We have a live fire gas, we have pellet stoves that we can strip down and work on and learn the principles of. And it's not really that complicated to do and you don't need a whole lot of space to do it but you do need a curriculum and that curriculum comes out of your SOPs. Right. You know, I'm working on my next book project, getting ready to release it, hopefully in the next uh, 60 days. And it's all about how to train, how to onboard, how to recruit, because this is the thing you got to build this asset up. That's been a number one. That's your number one asset when you're in a service business. And yeah, you go through some people, but you've got to be able to train them and yeah, you're going, some aren't going to make it. It's the way it is. So how do you keep yourself up and keep going through this as you go, when you know you're training people and then some may fail, how do you keep yourself pumped up, Bob? Well, the vision just has to be further out there than there is today. When I used to be a mountain guide and I would teach orienteering, which was map and compass work, the students typically, they get all bound up in whether you should go around this little 20-foot cliff to the right or to the left, and they'd have long discussions, and pretty soon it'd be dark, and we'd be down having to cross in the dark. But if they had just lifted up their eyes and looked out at the skyline, they would have seen where the pass is that we were aiming for and just gone for that. So I've taken that same kind of a principle into my business. I have a vision. I have something I want to make happen. And if this is the wrong guy, then it's the wrong guy. And one of the good things is working right there. I've had, I've had guys come in, we're working on pellet stoves. I try to hire three at once and just say, I'm keeping one of you. I'd love to do that with 10. Al used to do that with over 30 candidates. And he'd say, I'm keeping two of you. And you're going to be the ones who prove to me that you, you're the one who belongs here. And that's an amazing act of teaching. But when you watch a guy, one guy jumps in, starts working on things, understands the principles, another one holds back, lets other people do it. And it starts telling you something about each candidate just in that one-on-one, one-on-three training that you're doing with them there in your shop. So yeah, for my role to achieve my vision part, I mean, I'm not a young man, I'm 66 years old what am I supposed to do? How do I get out of the roofs? If I want to, not everybody wants to, but I can see the day coming when I should not climb on roofs, even if I do. And that meant become a good trainer. And by training people right here, they have my values. They understand how I run my company and they buy into that or they leave. And my further into the community than I ever could just working by myself. Yeah. 
So one of the things is, Bob, I know you train a lot on, we've got a lot of pellet stoves. You have a lot of heat form, heatilator style drop boxes out there and a lot of different things. But one of the places that you're getting known is as teaching rope access. You did a class in California this year. You did a class in North Carolina. They flew you to the East Coast. And that seems to be something that has really piqued your interest. And you've done a lot of climbing and rock climbing and mountain climbing and all that. But ropes and rope access seems to be a thing that you have really come to the forefront on and recognize as an industry expert and the use of helmets and all this. So tell us more about the rope access part of the training that you're doing now and how you're going around the country and doing this. Well, back when I started in business, I did. I, I have a mountaineering background. I climbed my first rock when I was 16 years old and uh, learned to become a mountaineer. I was a mountain guide. I've climbed in I've climbed in Alaska. I climbed Denali, the highest peak in North America, one of the coldest. I've climbed in Central Asia in the Pamir Mountains, uh, which is north of the Himalayas and the Karakoram. I've climbed in Europe. I've climbed uh, Mount Ararat in eastern Turkey. That's 16,000 feet where Noah's Ark is supposed to be. So I've gone around the world and I've climbed and I love mountains. And all through the Sierras, you know, near where I live, I've climbed. And that's the background that I brought into chimney sweeping. A lot of guys had come into it from fire departments and the fire departments use chicken ladders. And that's the guy who sold me his business originally. He used chicken ladders and he'd been a fireman. And I didn't like chicken ladders. I thought they were a hassle to get up there and carry around and I could throw a rope over when I needed it and I could climb using the rope and that's what I did. And when I started training my guys, that's what I taught them. This is the best way to keep yourself from falling. And so we had it in our manuals and we did it. We did build roof structures uh, in both our shops that I could stick a ladder on, have the guy climb up, clipped into a rope and learn how it works. And my own son, Hosh, as he came to work for me, he was not a climber and he was scared of heights. And when I trained him and he realized that he could be up there on the roof and he wasn't going to get hurt. He just relaxed and started doing his job. And it was never, ever a problem again. So one of the benefits is we're not, we don't have to find super athletes or people with no fear of heights, which I'm not sure I would want to hire in the first place. But we can train them in ways that they can keep themselves safe. So last May, uh, and that was 2017, at the NCSG board meeting, we talked about, we just had one of Ashley's uh, proposals to OSHA rejected by OSHA for um, rope access or for just roof access in general. And we talked about needing a best practices kind of a document from the guild. So I went and took my manual and I rewrote it as more of an outline. I actually sent it around to different people in the in the industry, safety kind of people. And I got very, very little feedback. And I, I'm not sure exactly why, if there just wasn't enough interest or maybe not enough knowledge, but I put that out there. And in the summer, when I was speaking at the California Guild Conference about what was going on and what we were thinking about at the national 
Guild in terms of the board of directors, this came up and they asked if I would put on a seminar in that. And so in September, they came up to my shop in Chico and I put together a, a climbing rope seminar with uh, three hours of classroom and three plus hours on the ropes on the roof structure and they absolutely loved it. And probably the best testimony of it is, you know, I realized I can do this and it was no longer kind of a big mystery. So that's how it started. It just came out and I volunteered to help the California Guild and from there, then I had a company come to my to call me and said, let me bring my guys and have you train them. I did that in December and then uh, I went out to North Carolina. I'm supposed to go to Wisconsin. We'll be doing the uh, classroom portion of it at the in Portland at the convention and, and orienting people. And I, I have a little bit of a, a reputation, I think, as, as somewhat of a wild man. Uh, and I'm not against having that. But I actually know how to do things and organize them and structure them. You don't get up and down some of the big mountains out there. Uh, when we climbed in Ali, I organized the, all the logistics for the trip. And one of the things was, if you die on the mountain, what do you want done with your body? Which was a very, very sobering thing to fill out, even though it was just me and two friends climbing together. You had a very real possibility of dying if you made a if you make a mistake, you could die. So, I've done some testing in that. As I got into it, I realized I don't believe all the things out there. As far as what OSHA says, you need a five thousand pound anchor, and what what happens when we start talking about safety, it immediately goes to what does OSHA want, and from there we realized that the imposition of those requirements could stop us from being able to do our jobs and the conversation kind of stops and then we don't do anything. And as an industry in general, we still don't do much in terms of roof access safety and keeping our employees and ourselves safe. And one of the, the, the largest group of injured workers are self-employed construction workers, which the chimney sweep field falls right smack dead on in the middle of that. And as I've asked, as people have come through my courses, I always ask how many of you have taken a fall? There's 80% of people have fallen. Not long falls, sometimes little falls. We've all climbed down ladders and thought we were at the bottom and stepped off one rung too high and tweaked our knee or our ankle or gone reeling back and tripped over a planter or all the different little things that can happen. It's, it's not, if you're going up on a three-story Victorian with a 12 and 21 pitch roof, you know it's not safe and you need to do something. But the people that have gotten hurt or have died in our industry have fallen on little single-story houses with three or four and 12 pitch roofs they're just nothing things we don't even think about yeah and so you know, and go that, ahead yeah and that's a big thing bob you know as long as i've been in this industry and i've had two friends now that have lost employees that got killed and they may be listening to this and it's a hard thing for them to talk about and i've listened to another guy who had one of his employees fallen 
So what we're seeing is we're seeing a movement to the use of climbing helmets. This is something that I never realized until about six months ago. I was talking to Jim Brewer one day, and I asked him, I said, what's the deal with the helmets? Why are you wearing helmets all the time? He said, well, Jerry, it's, it's real simple. When there's a fall, the number one injury is a head injury. It's like, and it just slapped me upside the head. And as I was working as a consultant on the new CSI manual in the last year, that was one of the things that we discussed heavily, and it's in there, which is the use of helmets when you're off the ground. It's becoming more and more widespread that people are starting to use helmets. So the safety gear, the helmets, and I'm sure you've got certain types of gloves and your ropes and all that. Um, those are all the things that are going to make a difference. But just like you said, these these deaths we've had, it's not been from things you would have thought anybody would have got killed from. And that's the real sad side of it. Absolutely. And helmets, my guys, it's a cultural shift. My guys have had to learn to put on helmets. I've had to learn to put on a helmet. Now, I've rock climbed with and without helmets. I have, but I never mountain bike or even ride my road bike without a helmet. I had a serious accident on my mountain bike going two miles an hour, flipped up over, landed straight down on my head. If I hadn't had a helmet, I'd be a vegetable or dead now. I heard the sound of a melon squishing on the asphalt. I didn't know if it was my head or my helmet. I nearly broke my neck, bent way over, and out of that concussion, I lost my words. I still haven't got them all back. I just lost, I couldn't remember words. I had to do, that happened in a September about five or six years ago. And that year, I think I was doing a, a presentation at, uh, I think it was at National, and I had about a two hour presentation. And I thought I was gonna have to read it. I couldn't remember my sentences or my words. It was that bad. And if you ever watch the movie Concussion, you'll see it turns your brain right into Swiss cheese. Yeah. So there's a very serious thing. And helmets are the very first and simplest thing to do. And everybody's used to them. We wear them on bicycles. Kids wear them skateboarding. It's really not a, a big step to go to helmets. Yeah. So you're going to be presenting your class at the Portland Convention then, am I correct? That's right. Okay. So, and let's make a, let's, let's take this out. Bob is also, so you're aware, we were looking at CBC coaching for a person that could teach safety and rope access. So this is kind of release of announcing that Bob Ferrari is now one of our instructors and is going to be presenting some of his classes are going to be presented on the CBC online seminars. And Bob is also going to be one of our traveling instructors where he can come out and do the hands-on at your place. So Bob, tell people a little bit about your training and what you can do for them if you come out to train at their location. Well, classroom's not enough. This is a hands-on deal. You can't, you can actually put yourself in danger by having equipment that you don't really know what the limits are of it or how to use it. So there's a classroom component to get familiar with parts of it and to learn knots 
and some of the, the things that we can do in a class. But ultimately, you have to take that right out onto a roof and climb with it. You need to feel how different kinds of harnesses work, how different kinds of rope grabs work, and which ones kind of fit you the best. Every I teach what OSHA wants, but I also teach what chimney sweeps need, which might not be the same. I think every, all of us and OSHA included want people to be safe, but the worst safety is a bunch of stuff that we never use or never do because it's too much hassle. So I'm trying to bring something down to a real practical level that we can understand and, and use because if nobody ever gets hurt, the government's probably never going to give you a phone call. Yeah, that's it. That's good. That's the best way to avoid it. So Bob, we're really looking forward. Like I said, we're hoping to have your initial classes up within the next week or two on the rope access and using ropes on roofs and some more classes after that. If people want to get in touch with you, uh, you've got an email address, bob.ferrari at cbccoaching.com. You can access him through us. You, and like I said, look into what his uh, programs are out there. So, Bob, let me ask you this. If you could pass wisdom on to the chimney sweep industry, just whatever you want to say. You've been in it a lot of years. You are now on the NCSG Board of Directors, which has probably opened your eyes to a lot of things. Tell me what wisdom you would share with this industry that's going to help them move to another level. Me and you both, were in our 60s, so how many years that we're going to be in this, we don't know. But what's that wisdom from Bob Ferrari, the most interesting guy in the chimney sweep industry by, by John Meredith's title of you? Oh, boy. Uh, I'm, I would say that the greatest amount of wisdom is that there's a whole lot of wisdom out there and I don't have it. <laughs> That's got to be a Bob Ferrari quote right there. After I've seen you do presentations with a knapsack, throwing stuff all over a stage, that was not <laughs> what I expected, Bob. <laughs> but hey. I tell you what, there's, it's just that none of us have it. We're always learning. We have to keep reaching out to the next thing, to the next place, to the next there's so much to know. The reason that we can't put people together in our business is because we don't really know how to, how chemistry works between people. How do people learn all the different complexities and, and beautiful complexities uh, that there are in human beings? We don't know. And one part might be how to tie them off on a roof. And another part might be how to get our message to them so they'll buy our services and goods and keep their homes safe. It's never ending experience. And I don't consider that I have it all yeah. by any stretch, not even a little bit. And that's what keeps you young yeah. into your old age. And it takes, and, and we have to change, you know, let's bring this up. At one time, the name of your company was flu season and you decided to rebrand this white glove. How's that worked out for you? Well, my old customers hate it. My new customers love it. And the old customers still call me though, even though they go, ah, we love that name. And I love the name flu season also. It has, it's a pun, it's my sense of humor, but we knew that 30% of the people that we served didn't know what it meant. They didn't know what the word flu meant. And so they didn't even know it was a joke. So 
And it also limited us to chimneys and we've had a need to do other services. I would like to only do chimneys, but it just doesn't work in my market. And people didn't, didn't know I did other things. They thought we only did chimneys. So when they needed other things worked on that we did, they didn't think of us. So we needed to change that name. And then we did a survey of our customers, about 1500 people uh, returned them and the main, we, one of the things we asked them, what's your biggest concern when a serviceman comes into your house of any kind? And by far the number one issue was, are you cleaned? And it was followed at a distance by, do you know what you're doing and are you safe from my family? So we felt that if we wanted to communicate clearly with our customers right from the time they saw us driving down the road, we needed something that reflected their values and a value of cleanliness. Then we had all these names and brainstorming names and connotations and everything that I would never have picked white glove. I thought it was pretty much white potatoes. I mean, it was just dull. Uh, but when we put names out there, we took about people with 1200 friends or more on Facebook and without anybody knowing what kind of business it was, what name reflected professionalism and cleanliness to them, white glove won. And so I just did it. It was very emotional. It was hard to do for me because I'd been flu season for a long time and it was like giving up your name and your identity, but I'm glad that we did it. Yep. Change can be painful, brother. That's for sure. But listen, you guys that want rope training, Bob Ferrari just might be your man uh, doing in-house training. He can be reached from Bob dot Ferrari at cbccoaching.com. You'll be through our website, be featured on the there before long. We're rebuilding a new website right now. So, Bob, I appreciate you taking your time out today to help us here on this. Okay, brother? Well, thank you so much. Everybody out there, be safe. That's it, man. And this has been the Chimney and Fireplace Success Network, once again, sponsored each week by CBC Coaching. Uh, look us up, follow us on Facebook, check out our website, check out our new CBC Basecamp education platform. Bob will have some classes up on there within the next couple of weeks. We hope he'll have some out and we got other new classes coming in also. So look us up. We'll be at the upcoming convention in uh, Philadelphia at Valley Forge. We'll also be in Portland, Oregon. So look us up. Let's talk, talk to us. Let's know how we can help you reach and make your business dreams your business reality. This is Jerry Eisenhower. Look forward to talking to you next time. Have a great week. And like Bob said, stay safe out there. Have Do good business, but stay safe. Talk to you later. Thanks for joining us here each week at the Chimney and Fireplace Success Network, sponsored by CBC Coaching, providing you the coaching and educational outreach services you need to move to your dream destination in business and in life.